Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, we wrap up our third year of the Drunken Dallas in style with another sweet episode, including the difficult task of trying to be less judgmental, a historical Brazilian jiu-jitsu challenge as Team Gracie takes on Team Fada to see whose kung fu is the best, underwater breathing, spicy food, old bullets still in bones, wow, if it were any better, I wouldn't be able to stand it. And now... Asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dallas Podcast, begins now. Da, 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 da. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 72 of the Drunken Dallas Podcast, the final episode of the third year. How about that, everybody? And without further ado, my pal, Daniele Bolelli. And we're about to conquer our expanding podcasting empire is taking off. So 72 episodes of the Drunken Taoist, actually more because there were a few bonuses in there. So it's probably 75 or something. True that. We got um, Mike V. Show, where Mike does his thing. Mike Vallely. He's, is it Vallely? I can never fucking pronounce his name, so I always say Mike V, just to play safe. But Mike is the man, and uh, it's an honor to ride shotgun with him. But more exciting than that. What's going on? Well, no, nothing is more exciting than Mike V, but today it is, because today is a special day. Yeah. Is uh officially releasing the historical podcast that I've been talking about for fucking ever and it feels like, you know, I could not take one more day but the epic Emmanuel Carnevale came through, did the work that I would rather open my veins than do to find out all the tacky stuff to figure out how to put it on iTunes, Stitcher, get it on Podtrack, do all the stuff, website. He's the man, he did it, podcast is up there. It's called History on Fire. Whoop, whoop. History on Fire podcast. Check out the logo, by the way. Is uh, the logo? I'll put the link in the episode notes to the website of History on Fire podcast. The logo is glorious. This was Savannah M at her best. She pulled off an amazing logo. I'm quite pleased with it. So, needless to say, please subscribe. Please, 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 if you listen to this. Do subscribe, do me a favor, even if you hate history, even if you whatever, just... You just thought you hated history. Ex- You're about to find out. That's my point. So, yeah, I mean, I've worked at this for realistically about two years, year and a half to two years probably, of just thankless, brutal research, putting all the notes together, reading thousands and thousands of pages worth of stuff. I can't even begin to tell you how freeing is the feeling right now to say done all this thing that forever i said you know i'm working on this thing i will get these when's the historical podcast coming out well it's now getting close no it's done yeah it's there there will be new episodes on a regular basis so i'm shooting to have 10 in the first year um 
nine if we're unlucky, but somewhere around there, probably about 10 episodes. Uh, quick thank you to uh, Onnit for sponsoring it, to Chimera Coffee, who jumped in to sponsor that one. I'll put maybe quick links in the episode notes to those guys, because that's sweet that they jumped in to help. So I'm excited, man. I'm pumped. And to be honest, I'm not obviously the most objective observer of all, but I did feel that episode one was pretty badass. So. Oh, it is. I've heard it. It's it's definitely excellent. Nice. And did it's we Dan hear? Carlin level. Oh, I and I'll say it because I know both y'all. Yay. I'm going to cry right now. Oh. And uh, did you hear the version where with the music in it? Yeah. Yet? You did the final version? Yeah. 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 Brilliant. I got for ridiculously cheap. Quite an awesome the, uh, opening, I might say. Yeah, some a certain uh, Richie man stepped in. Yeah, that we did. Uh, I got the rights to Ennio Morricone's music from. If you guys don't know Morricone, it's like the oh, epic spaghetti the western. Gold. They'll get it right exactly. now. Exactly, it's a brilliant tune, and that will be for the next three years. As I got the rights for three years, it will be the music we use. So, good times, man. Um, well, congratulations, man. I know you've been busting your ass to do it, and it's pretty exciting to have yet another podcast offering out to the world. Indeed. So, please check it out. Hope you like it. If you don't, forget I ever suggested it. If you do, please subscribe, tell your friends, leave ratings on iTunes. This is literally, I can hear the sound of the dice rolling right now, because this is, for me, a big deal. You know, if it works well... Um, I can then start relying less and less of teaching college and more and more on other things, which would be a nice feeling. I mean, I like teaching college, but I don't like teaching 72,000 million courses every semester. That would be less, more pleasant to do a little less. And probably would be teaching more people. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you guys, it really now is in the hands of people deciding to check it out. So if you think the quality is good, Please pass it along, reviews on iTunes, the whole deal, whatever you can do, you know, pull out guns, put them to people's heads, make them listen, you know, I'm not picky on how you go about it, you know, whether you want to be Mother Teresa or not, just make sure that it gets out there, and I deeply thank you for that. Now, without further ado, quick thank you to our sponsors for The Drunken Taoist, that's Sarah, Onnit, and Short Design T-Shirt. Um, you guys know the drill. That's Sarah is the greatest hemp gear out there. Oh, by the way, please listen. This puts me to shame in this regard, but please check out an episode with Duncan Truss. It's the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Uh, he did an episode with Timothy Leary's son, and that particular episode was sponsored by Datsu Sarah. Duncan gives an intro that's the funniest thing I've heard in a long time. He does this commercial for Datsu Sarah. I was dying laughing. It was just so funny. It is, uh, so that's a brilliant Datsusara moment. On it, let's see. What are some of the things I've been using lately? A few things that I suggest for the athletically minded from the On it website. Every self-respecting human being should have a pull-up bar in their house. They're just no... And On it just made it easier because I saw that they cut their price in half. They went from the regular price, which is what you can get at Target or something. It was now like half of that. I don't know if it lasts for very long, but it was ridiculously cheap. It was like $16 or something. Get it. Even if you don't know how to pull-ups, do negatives where you climb on a chair, you hang at the top, and you slowly let yourself back down on the chair, and you do that again, and you'll build those muscles anyway. So you don't need to be, you know, pull-ups are tough. You need to be in sort of good conditions to do it, but you can do negatives. That works. So 
check out the Pular Bar, check out... They started this line of deodorants that are, um, like, super... You know, most deodorants are great because they don't make you stink like a goat. They are less great because they have, like, nasty chemicals in it everywhere. Yeah, stuff that you really don't want to put in your body. So they came up with a line of deodorants that are super healthy. Like, Aubrey was going to do this thing where he eats a deodorant on camera to show that it's safe and it's, like, good ingredient. I'm not sure it doesn't taste that good, but it's safe as far as uh, ingredients go. Now, disclaimer on the deodorant. I tested them, personal experience. What I would say is if it's winter, you live in cold places, that's the deodorant you want to use. Spring, fall, great. For summer, Italian sweating, uh, I mix. I'll do the... Because, you know, there's a point where... There's a reason why they put nasty shit in the other because it works. The problem is with the healthier stuff, of course, you need to use it more often. You need to... I love it. I mean, I do use it. It's, I use that all the time. But for insanely hot days when you're sweating like a pig, you probably want to mix it up because it may not last very long. Uh, or maybe you enjoy smelling like a goat. I don't know. There's there are those too. folks. And last thing, since uh, we are at it... Actually, no, I'll keep that for next time. Uh, short design... Uh, the coolest of the cool all the um, best t-shirts on earth that i wear all the time are there so check it out and um and oh one quick thank you jesus christ today is going to be a long podcast things keep coming up i things that i keep thinking about well, it's because you got the history podcast off yeah your head i'm finally. pumped and happy so that's where it's at i want to give a quick thank you to cold steel who sent me some glorious um a Thai machete, which is one of the coolest things in the world, and an axe that Isabella promptly took up to take her first day of school picture. Hmm. So, great stuff. I'll put links in the episode notes. Maybe uh, I'll mention them again another time we do this because I badly want to use uh, uh, a picture that we took, both the Isabella one and mine, for an episode cover. Um, maybe use it for this one. We'll see. But it's one of my most glorious moments. I wasn't training at all, and suddenly I have muscles coming out, even out of my ears, through thanks to the pure magic, because there's no logical reason why should I should have been in shape, but somehow it worked, and Isabella looks badass. So thank you to Cold Steel. They make some awesome blades of all kinds. Uh, check them out if you like such things. Uh, without further ado, let's get to business. Here we go. It's time to relearn the wacky Bible with Father Bolelli. Now, this is a really weird Bible story. I mean, it's not even that disturbing. It's not blood, gross guts and stuff. I have my Isaac Asimov's guide to the Bible here. Well, in that case, turn to Genesis 32, and the chapters are 22 through th- verses 22 through 32. So, right. Genesis 32. Let's see what we can find out here. 
Go ahead and start now. We'll, uh... So what we got with this is a really bizarre tale that involves uh, uh, Jacob, one of the key early characters in the Bible. Story goes that Jacob and his large family, they are crossing a river, and he sent ahead his wives in the plural, because polygamy was cool. There's uh, multiple kids, servants, and he's left alone on the other bank, and at that point this this guy pops out of the bushes and challenging to a wrestling match. Well, and um, so he's off. not one of those fodder guys with the damn leg locks, is he? No, except well, uh, close. Uh, he will cheat, as we're going to see. So they start wrestling, and they wrestle like forever, like hours go by, and they keep wrestling back and forth, and neither one can win. They wrestle all night and his opponents can beat Jacob. So at one point, the opponent just pulls off a highly illegal magic trick, sending this strange magic power that his opponent had to wrench Jacob's hip out of socket and grievously injure him in the process. Ow. Despite this, Jacob is a tough bastard, and he doesn't let go, and he just keeps him in this headlock that he had put him in and uh, refuses to let go. The... Um, Jacob's opponent, when the dawn is coming, it's the end of the night, they've wrestled all night, and he's like, you know, can you please let me go already? You know, he's like, and Jacob is like, nope, not letting you go until you bless me. And so his opponent um, decides to bless him. He asks for his name. He said, my name is Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have striven with God and with man and have prevailed. Israel is literally translated according to, not that I know the language, but supposedly is he who struggles with God. Now, the tale itself is bizarre because the identity of Jacob's opponent is interesting. You know, some version leave it as, ah, he found this guy, they wrestle, and that's where he was. But because this person, this whole thing about the blessing, this thing of, oh, you have struggled with God and prevailed, Jacob will later say that I have seen God face to face and yet my life has been delivered. Many interpretations suggest one of two theories. Either that what Jacob is struggling with is an angel or one of the most popular one is that God himself showed up to wrestle Jacob. Now, if God himself showed up to wrestle Jacob, which is a... I'm not pulling it out of my ass. This is actually a popular scholarly theory regarding what this whole episode of Genesis is about. It is Clan Gracie, obviously. Exactly. Is the Unlike Fadda, that we'll see in our um, storytelling moment, unlike the Fadda story, apparently, cheat, like, let's stop and consider how weird it is. God pops out of the bushes. Can't whip you for hours and hours and hours. Want to challenge a dude to a wrestling match spend 10 hours wrestling him, still can't beat him, so uses an illegal tactic, pull out his hip out of socket, still can't beat him, despite cheating, and is forced to essentially tap out, and the way to do it is to bless his opponent that he's asking for, and then uh, God gets up, dusts himself off, and wanders off. What are we going to say about that? I mean, is, this is not a Moses, uh, gross, weird, uh, kill them all story. It's not, a, it's not a disturbing story. It's actually kind of fun in a lot of ways. But it's strange, to say the least. 
why in the world would God get into a 10-hour wrestling match and feel at it, by the way, in order... I don't know, man. And not even to teach a lesson or anything. Does Asimov tell us anything cool about this story? No, he, he definitely mentions it, but it's more like the, the naming of the country deriving from that and the, the, the river that it happened at was important geographically. But no, I dig God losing a wrestling match. Now, that's a funny pull story. Pull no magic yeah, trick. Yeah. Just come on, And man. he tried to fight that technique, but it didn't work for him because the cheating within the rules was not... Jacob was too tough for that, and they didn't pan out. So did Jacob go by Israel from then on? I um, guess so. That had to be confusing as shit. Imagine getting your mail changed. <laughs> oh, seriously. Let's ask yeah. Aubrey about that. Right. <laughs> Yeah, name, changing name. I've always wondered about uh, women when they get married taking the guy's last name. I always yeah. thought that was bullshit. I'm just like, why the fuck do you change your name? He's like, it's plus you're gonna go through five husbands by the time you're done anyway. Why do, do go through it all the time? It's just keep your damn name. He's spending weeks at the social security department. Yeah, get like, another one. Keep your damn name. He keeps his name. If you really wanna go by the book, you the kids can have the father name if that's how it plays out. But why do you have to change it? That may never made sense to me because every time he's a pain, he's like, wait, you haven't, the, you have the old document. You can't really get this service right now because we still have you as Miss whatever the fuck rather than Mrs. whatever the fuck. And it's just like, ah, bullshit. In any case, I'll <laughs> get off my high horse and stop it's bitching about it. hard to get on it. airplanes now. Yeah, and let you contemplate the joys of God wrestling. And cheating. And losing. <laughs> It's ranting time. So I'm sure I mentioned it more than a few times, but this is the end of year three. Unbelievable, my friend. Time does fly. What a bunch of crazy adventures we've been through in three years. This is exciting as hell. Man. It's still here. We are. Yeah. So, I quickly I took my took my mother and my aunt out to have Indian food, mm -hmm. and I like it spicy. But I'm willing to accept the medium. But even the medium was too much for them. Right. So they're sitting there angry. You know, hey, the naan was delicious, so they can't complain too much. And then we went and got them something later. But it's pretty hilarious. Too spicy, too spicy. Oh, that's the best part. Uh, Elizabeth, I remember when we started being in a relationship way back when, her thing was um, she looked at me like how much spice I put on food. And uh, I think that's where, oh, now it's all coming back to me. Because her comment was, I quote, and you call yourself a man? Because her thing was like, come on, that's not putting some spice. What kind of wimpy ass shit is that? And that's where I think I told this story to Isabella once. And that's where she fed me the same line than what I told her about. I only wrote four books. not but I, oh, I wrote four books. She's like, you call yourself a man? That's where it comes from. It was her mom. <laughs> And I told her that story, and it stuck with her, and she liked it, and so that's what was going on. But yeah, it was like I had to literally train myself, because otherwise I wasn't worthy of being considered a man. No, those Asian and, folks, um, both Indian-Asian and Asian-Asian, they're not afraid of the spices at no, all. No, I got to a place where I could eat 
you know, anything in the universe. I could breathe fire, and I don't know if it's the healthiest thing in the world always. I mean, there are some health benefits. There are others that are not so healthy. But, um, but yeah, it was funny. It's like, I remember going to... Um, a Thai restaurant out here in LA. That's what I was going to say. Thai is probably the hottest. That's where they put the crushed red pepper on the top. Just, oh, and, and Thai tends a... to be my favorite. You know, I, that's pretty much the only thing I eat when I go out because other shit I can, I know how to cook fairly decently. So I don't mind, uh, you know, I, if I can make it at home for one fourth of the price, why am I going to a place to eat out? That yeah. makes no sense. One thing that I cannot cook is Thai food. I have no idea. I would have to start from scratch. I don't, I'm going to feel a million times. I mean, I, maybe I'll get around to it at some point, but definitely not now. So when I'm out, I always eat Thai food. Unfortunately, and, there's so few Thai restaurants here in L.A. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, L.A. is like Thai paradise. There's well, uh, New York too, though. There's great Thai in yeah. New York. No, in fact, some of the big uh, New York, uh, L.A. for sure. But um, I, I went to this one Thai restaurant that where they're on the request on the menu, there was you could ask for your food hot, you could ask medium, or you could ask white. White. And I thought that's fucking hilarious because I took it as, you know, that's how white people eat. <laughs> and, I, uh, there was one in Santa Barbara we went to because we always tried different one as yeah. we go through Santa Barbara because there's plenty there as well. And it was kind of the same thing. It was the country festival, uh-huh. something or another. And she said, oh, no, that's not for you. Yeah, 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 exactly. And the, uh, <laughs> Too hot. I had... Uh, and I believe him. I had that happen. I had... Uh, when they take away the chopsticks from me to give me a fork, and I'm like, dude, I can't eat with chopsticks. I think I can manage, you know? It's okay. That's just kind of mean. Yeah, where you're like, I don't know how to take this, whether it's... But yeah, it's funny. But yeah, good old days. Now I haven't eaten that spice in a long time, but um, but it's... Yeah, I've had it when... Definitely... My last New York trip, they made one of those those orange rice dishes and put it on eleven. It yeah, was like, oh. and the worst part is it's delicious. Oh yeah, but it's so fucking hot. Yeah, you cry. Yeah, you literally like, cry. I'm gonna have one more yeah, bite. Yeah, yeah. Lord, I had it because I was really smart when I was in my early twenties. I decided with some friends to have like a raw chili eating contest, <sighs> like chili as in chili pepper, the yeah, actual yeah, yeah. thing, and he was. It's one of the things where, like, why do you have to be so stupid? It's just, why in the world? The only thing you really prove is that your taste buds work really well. Yeah, but it's just like, you're an idiot, you know? But in any case. No, there's no explaining in your note. 20s. Um, but that's not some very good ranting at all. No, no. And actually, again, uh, ranting became, or by now we're stuck with the name because we have to, but half of it is they're <laughs> never, you know, once in a while we're pissed off and it's a real rant. Most of the time is not. Well, the pleasant chat segment didn't sound Yeah, like. exactly. Today's more like the pleasant chat segment. Because... Well, I'm going to be unpleasant and jump right to it. To the motherfucker who shot my cat at some point, my cat got ate by my dogs. Not a good scene. Well, not literally, because he's still alive. Still alive, but uh, being torn asunder from two ends. So anybody who knows what to do with uh, crazy cat-killing pit bulls, please send me your advice. Yeah. Because uh, right now I'm going to send him up to Chino to live with the prisoners and be retrained. I don't know what else to do. But cat survives. And quickly, the cat's name is Wolvie. Because as in Wolverine, as in Wolverine, because he had three claws on his front front uh-huh. paw, and apparently he got the adamantium skeleton as well. Because nothing broken, nothing you know, he's sore and he's torn, and you know it's going to be a while till he gets better, but he is going to survive with his uh, mutant healing skills. Right. But we're sitting in there waiting to get the bad news because I was sure his back was shattered. You yeah. Know, just to be right. wrung out like a dish rag. Yeah, Most like, people wouldn't survive that. No. 
And the, the vet comes in. They don't put the chart up anymore or the x-ray. They put it on the computer and yep. open it up. And he opens it up, and he says, how long's the bullet been in his leg? <laughs> like, huh? What, what bullet? Uh, well, that twenty-two bullet right there. I tweeted it out if you want to have a look at it. I will. It, I didn't see it. Yeah. It's a... Uh, <laughs> it's not the drunken Talis tweet. So, um, yeah, whoever shot my cat, what the fuck? Man? Yeah, who would do that? That's well, I, the thing is, I can think of a lot of people actually. Oh, that's there are a help. lot of dumb hillbilly bastards out there that got nothing better to do than shoot be mean cat. to some cat. Yeah, he's a cool cat, man. He's a cat. You know, can't shoot the cat. Just catting around. Yeah. He what was it? That's one of the best uh, screenwriting uh, books one of the most famous ones out there is called save the cat you never seen that one no oh, that's like a classic is uh is uh, you know anybody who wants to do screenwriting they usually always recommend two books and i believe one is screenplay if i remember correctly which is not the most imaginative title ever and the other one is uh, save the cat i believe is save the cat goes to the movies and it's an absolute classic it's just uh, like imagine imagination exercises or something like that no or? what it does is it breaks down storytelling he say basically every other story follows a few patterns yeah and uh, so you want to be familiar with the structures of how the great epics are built and whether it's a romantic comedy whether it's action whether it's adventure there are a few patterns that you practically can't escape you're always gonna follow those and so it, in fact, more than screenwriting book is like a um, break uh, storytelling book, like figuring out how to come up with a cool story and the structure of it all. It was great. It was really well written. I was all excited. I was like, oh, this dude is like really smart, really cool. We should have him on the Drunken Taoist. And I promptly started looking him up, and I'm like, dead. I'm dead. Like, oh, shit. Okay, I guess not. Well, he just sold 10 more books, so that doesn't hurt. Somebody's happy about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, but... it's funny. The worst part about the whole cat experience, first, I wasn't there. It was my mother, my aunt, and my mm -hmm. youngest son. And my son just took care of business. Way to go, buddy. He choked out the big one to get his jaws off the cat and save his the cat. The big one? Are you talking about the dog, one the, of the, the relatives? Oh, no, I no, see. no. Okay. They were just busy screaming and gotcha. throwing water and banging with brooms and things like Things you expect. You know, no one wants to get close to those teeth. Banging with brooms. I'm getting a really weird image. So brooms. Yeah, not yeah, yeah. Bruce. Yeah, okay. This uh, is not a Mike V No, story. no, but I'm picturing some kind of like, I don't know, sexual uh, <laughs> or drastic witch coven kind of thing going on you gotta, get, the, you gotta get it in there somehow the yeah. ergot yeah no it's quite the exciting moment but what the, the worst part is when you go to the emergency vet it is literally like would you like your animal to live for five minutes swipe here ding so they'll stabilize them and have a look right do you want it to live through the evening swipe here ding and it's just like yeah. endless. i got a call at three seventeen in the morning it's like he's not breathing very well would you like us to give him some oxygen bing oh, god like the money keep going up and it up and up crazy yeah. man but you know what are you gonna do and plus cook him uh, i meant yeah no pay pay that sure, might be of the dogs That's if we're not it. careful now to get yeah. some trouble for sure but i um you know yeah you're gonna pay right. talk about having people by the balls yeah. and of course once we found out that he wasn't wasn't in imminent danger and we were going back to visit him, Ethan and I were just cutting up joking as we went back into the back room and there's a family like over their pet who has like nine seconds left and we're like, ha -ba -ba -ba. 
Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> That's and it's no not good. the first time I've rolled into no, a room no, with the wrong no. attitude going, and they were not happy with yeah, us at all. Yeah, so yeah. to those folks, sorry about your dog, and sorry about ruining your sad moment. No, but I'm a big fan of uh, having the most inappropriate emotional reaction in the wrong setting. It's like, I remember being in the morgue, being just like, cracking jokes like there was no tomorrow partially because it's so horrifying it's a, it's a defense mechanism i know exactly. it is for me of you course know, if it is the worse the situation is the yeah. more likely i am to make some fucked up joke yeah, yeah, yeah i remember seeing this old family it was like a huge family and they were all we had to wait at the bottom of the stairs so this because these people are coming down and there was one after another after another after another I'm like how many fucking people are in this family and everyone was crying right every single one and we're waiting there and like this weird thing of the parade of the crying people and it is, you know, a place where they are burying people, right? And so my comment was, I turned around to somebody that whispers, like, what about, is, did somebody die or something? What's wrong with them? You know, and they were, yeah, people were not happy with me, but. Good for them. Yep, yep, yep. So let's play with something today. Um, let's start with the fact that I'm really the wrong person to say what I'm about to say, because this is advice that I'm in dire need of hearing more than giving because I am not exactly the best at what I'm going to suggest soon. I can't but, wait to hear this. But precisely because I'm not the best at what I... I need to hear it a lot. I need to tell it to myself a lot. I need to... So take this as a... Not as a, oh, do what... Take from my deep wisdom kind of story. It's more of what I... I was telling this to myself, as a matter of fact, in the Whole Foods parking lot about 20 minutes ago. And uh, I was like, I like this. Let's talk about this a, a little bit. Because basically, I know that I am a judgmental bastard. I mean, I know that for a fact. I I tend to see shit in people. You know, I have a pretty good ability to read people. So I see every single flow that may be there. I will zero in on it and I will judge it to hell. So not the best attitude in the world because while being aware being able to read stuff is a good thing turning into this harsh judgmental little bastard is not such a good thing yeah but it's so much fun it kind of is and it feels like there's this righteous indignation the you know why do you suck so bad seems to be one of the sentences that's always on my mind there <laughs> but it's not really a healthy habit let's put it that way it's like i can think of more constructive ways to go about it because first and foremost, it damaged you because you are the one who's putting the attention on bad stuff all the time. You know, you are the one who's... It doesn't matter if you're judging somebody else. At the end of the day, you're still dealing with a bad vibe, something that's negative, something that's bad, something... If you say it's them who are bad, it doesn't... You know, your consciousness is still in that state where it's focusing on something negative and bad. It doesn't necessarily make you feel all that good. So there's that. And... And never mind that then because it makes you more prone to focus on the negative, it will make you probably less pleasant to other people and everything else. So, you know, having said that, I'm not saying that we should be all Pollyanna, like, all is wonderful, you should never judge anybody. Fuck that. No, I'm okay with... Yeah, that's almost worse. Yeah, um, yeah that stuff tends to irritate me quite a bit. But my point in that, I guess, is like, it's okay to see it and then move on. You know, be aware of it, and that's good. And then let's move on to focus on something more productive rather than being stuck, pointing fingers. And 
Now, what I'm about to say may sound. <laughs> Why do you suck so bad? Yeah, that's my. Yeah, that that helps. That helps people. That helps you. Clearly, that's such oh, a. But out here with traffic alone. Oh no! Why can't you fucking learn to merge? Don't get Can me you wrong. Imagine if LA traffic just learned to merge. I know you drive more than a truck driver, so you are familiar with the joys and pains. So. It just makes me crazy, man. You know, it, or the common decency. You know, somebody's in the wrong lane. You're at a stop sign. Their lights on, and three people will shoot past them because their mission is so much more important it's like and then you stop the flow and i think you nailed exactly my dilemma which is there's always a reason to be judgmental and feel right about it yeah, because there's like always to, some you like to tell them too don't you you don't have any problem letting the window yeah. down and going, you know you idiot and you even would... and even if you don't it's still your mind goes there anyway so it does it almost doesn't matter where you are letting them know or whether it's just in your mind is you're still focusing on shit all day long and you may be right. You may have 7,000 reasons to do that. But at the end of the day, you're still doing that. And so on the opposite end, I guess. Did my wife recommend you bring this up to let me know something? Is that how No, but that's, trust me, I'm in dire need of hearing this. And, and what I'm about to say may sound like something that would probably be proclaimed by Duncan Trussell while riding a pink unicorn with a crowd of flowers in his hair and farting butterflies and just stuff. Just let everybody be, man. But I would say... Ram Dass would just say love. Uh, Ram Dass in this case would say gratitude is something to be practiced, not as something that necessarily comes always easy, or, but it's like, it's like building a muscle. You know, because when I think about it, I can bitch about all the people who have been assholes in my life or who do stupid shit or who are annoying or who have all their flaws. But there's also a pretty vast number of people who have been really kind to me, who have been sweet, who have done things that were not necessary. They didn't have to do it and they still did something sweet and nice for me or they were just pleasant human beings in one way or another. So why not focus more on that instead? You know, why not put the accent and my attention to that? Uh, which doesn't mean be delusional that everybody's sweet and wonderful when obviously that's not the case. But at the same time, if I if there is a bunch of shit out there and there is a bunch of great stuff, why don't I focus more on the great stuff? But and, I think you uh, do. I think I think it's more variety is the spice of life. I think it takes some of both to get through the day. I agree, but I tend to my balance is off. You think I tend to go way too much on the negative side. And again, don't I'm get me wrong. I'm trying to keep mine sort of thirty seventy. And and like I said, if I do see somebody being a fool, I let them know right then. No, and exactly, and, and that might release it because I'm with you. I think the the <laughs> kind people and the people that do incredible things that have no reason or no need to. I mean, we're in the midst of something right now where some really heavy hitters are stepping up for us and opening the, the door, and that's incredible, you know? Right, because... And have no reason to. Yeah, because at the end of the day... Not going to change anything for them. Yeah, so let's focus on that. And whether it's on a big scale, whether in a small scale, somebody who is just say a nice word or does a tiny little... Doesn't mean they are going to... You know, and don't get me wrong, there are plenty of assholes whose heads I want to remove from the rest of their bodies and out of whose skulls I want to have my wine in the evening. But, you know, again, <laughs> what I, why don't instead I focus on the good people in my life? They deserve it. You deserve it. 
you deserve it for yourself to focus on that and the people who are kind deserve that attention is properly paid in that regard too because it's nice you know it's like when you're nice to people it's nice when people acknowledge it recognize it it becomes this cycle where it makes you want to give even more it's like oh look at that isn't that sweet they appreciate it, it makes you happy it makes you want to put out even more so it's like why not play that game a little more and be this less, this, oh, fuck you, I see all your flaws, I see your weaknesses, you suck. Why, you know? And not that, because nobody's perfect all the time. Even the people who are the kind of kinder, sweeter people, they will do things that piss you off. They will have their flaws, they will have, but, but again, why don't I focus on the times when they get it right? You know, the times when they did do something that was perfect. Like one of those is ever going to actually occur. Exactly. And that's Oops. the other there side. That's Shit. the mind oh, right no. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. right. So, yes, as we enter into year four, I pledge to try to be kinder, except to the real asshole. <laughs> yeah, I'm all for, I'm going to strive for my current horrible balance in that regard to a 90-10 of just keeping it 90 of uh, let's focus on the good and promote. Kind- you got to have a 10 or a I would pop out one day. Eventually. Yeah. You're just so. Yeah, and then once in a while you need to cut their head off and drink out of their skull and that's fine because there are people who occasionally deserve it and you need to get the pressure out and, <laughs> and so you know but this attitude I think it will put you in a better mood it will make it easier to be nicer to others it will make it easier for them then because you are freely giving something away to in turn be nicer to you back to other people you know it, it can be one of those ways when you actually do make a difference in day to day life I saw it actually. This was pretty mind blowing because I remember seeing it with um, with my wife when she was really sick, kind of at the end, the last couple of months. It was weird our personality change because she had been, uh, on one end, super sweet, but on the other end, all her upbringing or fucked up childhood, she also had this really just fiery, quick to anger, quick to judgment, fuck you anybody, you know, that kind of thing that would flare up real fast. So she... Like can... the speed of a light switch being flicked on? Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've seen A very angry light switch. Which ultimately meant, even though there were a zillion people who really liked her, she didn't really have too many friends because, and even that being kind of generous, because she would just be, you know, zero on the stuff that was bad about it and sort of keep people at bay in that regard. Then she would have her good moment and bring them back in, but there would be, you know. And instead, the last two months, I saw this complete transformation in her personality from being very, uh, fuck these people, they never help in any way, they da da da, and this guy did do this, and this guy. And at the end, instead, it was all like, super appreciative noticing how isn't that amazing how so many people came to visit me everybody's trying to be so nice every and she was suddenly there was gratitude coming out of everywhere from her you know there was this sense of uh, real serious just thankfulness for everybody and i never saw that coming i didn't imagine that especially in the war scenario where you have every reason in the world to start thinking, life sucks, I got a rotten deal, there's all this terrible stuff is happening. It's very easy to get even more negative and uh, uh, complaining about everything. Not too many of those on a deathbed that I've ever seen. Really? Usually more... No, I'm agreeing with you. I mean, no. it's always been 
celebrating the good things and the stupid grudges and shit all seem to evaporate. Really? They do. That's don't that's you think interesting. so? I don't know. I don't have as I, I only have like three to match it to, but in every right. case it's been that. I mean, there's no time. Grudges tossed aside. People that haven't talked for a long time getting one last chance to say hello to each other. Amazing things. So I'm with that's you. Right. I think there's something about that moment that, you know, it is fast. I mean, three so, years flew by like it's nothing. So might as well start practicing gratitude in day-to-day life. All right, I'm with to... you. I'm going to try. <laughs> Except for you fucking cat shooters that can't seem to shoot straight. A real man would have taken him out. So anyway, cat killer, you get no mercy. Yeah, no, and in, in fact, I'm so torn about this because every time I go into this more Duncan Trussell riding a pink unicorn kind of mode that I have my other side that goes like, revenge i want my revenge so it's you can say i have a mildly schizophrenic attitude about it i tend to jump from one extreme to the other but that keeps things entertaining if nothing else (sighs) even moderation needs moderation even moderation needs moderation yeah 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 Whose line is that? Because I remember Sam Sheridan is the guy who told it to us, but I don't know if he was actually... I think a, he just shared a classic the story. Or? I don't know, but it's one that I've adopted. It's my yeah, mantra. I've heard it a million it's times excellent, now. excellent yeah. for focusing on when you're trying to clear your head. Indeed. And then go get some whiskey. So go play that exercise on your nightly whiskey that you're drinking out of the skull of your enemies. <laughs> Let's play with gratitude. Let's play with what actually does work in your life with the people who do mild tiny things however small they may be who are really sweet um let's focus on that for a while that could be fun and of course now i'm inspired i want um i need to ask savannah if she can do a drawing to illustrate this episode super fast because i want duncan trussell riding a pink unicorn with flowers in his hair and farting butterflies I'll, uh, it's a really quick turnaround because we're recording it right before we release it, but we'll see if she can make it happen. If she does, I'll make sure to post it as the artwork for illustrating this episode. And if she doesn't, we'll point out her flaws as a slow artist who yeah. can't execute when the when the chips are down. Exactly. Where are you? It's like we're counting on you. Our back was against the wall. You suck. Oh. Already, uh, Isabella. It's another fine Isabella moment because there's nothing more intriguing and awesome. No, there's nothing more challenging and rewarding than raising a daughter. Indeed, I think it's important to become a man. It just really shows a whole other side of things. Because uh-huh. I guess we had chatted with Mike V about that moment when you have a daughter. Yep. your brain restructures itself. Those of you guys who have, haven't checked out the Mike V show yet, please do it. It's fun. Mike is the man, and um, we got to be in the room and play with him. It's uh, good stuff. So if you enjoyed the Drunken Taoist, why not check out Mike V? One episode a month, so that won't clutter your podcasting schedule too much. And he was and the one that's... quick to notice the new haircut over across the table here because the dusty academics of Santa Monica College making you straighten your act no, up once and for all? I was just there's not even a There's not even a sure design shirt on you today. You know, because my mom 
took this shirt that I dearly love. It's just plain red, but it's an intense red that I dig. And uh, she was giving it away because she's like, you never wear it because I do wear only short design pretty much. And I'm like, fuck this. So I took it back and I promptly am wearing it to make the point that, hey, don't get rid of my shirts. Don't even dare. That's fair. Yeah. So that's why I'm cheating. Sorry, Bandit. Sorry, Bandit. No, no, Sorry, no I think Bandit. you're allowed once, one or two. Even he would allow that. Yeah. You know, I have a Conan one that when they were doing... Uh, and they shot an interview with me for this documentary they're doing about Conan. One of the guys had this Conan shirt, and I traded a drunken Taoist for his Conan shirt. We took them off her back, literally, in that moment. And it was like, I was, we were very proud of our new acquisitions. Wow, you guys are like you guys are like a World Cup team at the end of the uh, yeah, match. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. At the end of interviews, <laughs> we traded shirts, just like, you know, straight out of the World Cup. So... But yeah, I'm going to use actually a couple, not all of them, but a couple of the Isabella story today are in the last Mike V episode when we're discussing, uh, um, yeah, because the whole episode was about having daughters, which is something that both you, Rich, Mike, me, we all do. And um, yeah, man, it's like, I mean, I'm sure having, well, you have the experience, I don't. Having boys would be also awesome, and I'm sure it's great, and I'm sure it has. It's not nearly as complicated. Yeah, I don't know. I just... Love it. I would like right now. If, if I ever had to have a kid again, I would kind of hope to have a daughter again because it just and again maybe just because of what I'm used to and that's it. And I'm sure it would be great in other ways, but I don't know. And I dig it. So. Well, it's definitely a gift to get both. Yeah, exactly. Because it completely different things, but yeah. to to have the opposite is just an amazing education. No, I agree. In fact, if you're lucky, you got to experience both ends And if you get to happen to have an awesome one, then you're super lucky. Yeah. Well, speaking of the joys of having a daughter, so I went to cut my hair and now when I take off my glasses, I am this close to being legally blind, literally, like not to say it, like I really don't see, like Richie's sitting about three feet away from me. I don't think I would recognize them without glasses. Like his whole face is like a blurry mass of something that I don't see what <laughs> I don't see features. I don't. So I'm really freaking blind. Wow. So, you know, I take, uh, if I'm cutting my hair and uh, somebody's going, and they're like, what do you think? I'm like, great. Because I don't fucking see what's going on. You know, it's like, I have no idea until it's done. And I put my glasses back on. And I realized that the lady was a little over enthusiastic. And so she chopped pretty much everything that wasn't there. Now, you know, it's not much to begin with, but she really just went like zoom. Was used a low moaner. Very conservative. I know, man. And um, Mike V was a little distrustworthy. Uh, came back home. Isabella looked at it, and her comment was, "I'd rather live in a house made of poop than have to look at the haircut again." I was like, "Damn, really? House made of poop rather than live watch this haircut again." Wow. So, yeah, she's, um, I was like, wait, I'm not sure if I'm getting it right. So that, that means you like it, right? It's, That's what it sounds like to me. How else could you take that? Yeah, it was bad. But um, this was the same day, I believe, when completely a random over dinner, like we weren't talking about it. Or, or I guess earlier, like maybe an hour earlier, we were talking about Conan that we had uh, watched together a couple of times by now. And she was saying... Um, yeah, she did. Oh, now I get it. Yeah, she was talking about it and it came out in near her brain. She was going like, you know, when we watch Conan and Conan is praying at the end, he's praying to Krom and he's saying, um, you know, he gives this long winded speech, but basically is, look, who cares whether we're nice people or bad people? Nobody's going to remember whether we're nice guys or not. But there's one thing that 
counts is there's two of us and we're fighting against a whole lot of them and you Krom, the god that the Cimmerians worship value courage this is where it's at this is what we're doing so if you do value it if you do appreciate it just grant me one request grant me revenge and the beautiful line and that's Milius at his best was and if you don't listen then go to hell or to hell with your son I forget the exact and uh, Isabella was like well Conan did get his revenge at the end of the movie so I guess Krom did listen maybe Krom was there and he was like yeah, I don't want to go to hell. It's too far. I don't want to do that. I'll just grant him revenge. <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny already. I was already thinking, oh, this is pretty enjoyable discussion right there. And then like half hour later, she's uh, just out of the blue. I guess the hell thing came back to her. And she turned to me and she goes, do you know why hell is a bad place? It's because I live there. And if you end up there, you'll have to face me. So I was like, Damn, John Milius would be envious of that line. Hell, yeah. Let me jot it down right now. You know why hell is a bad place? It's because I live there. Like that's badass. That's having an epic sense. So I was fairly pleased with that. I was less pleased with Isabella's first day of first grade. And How nothing did that get here so fast. Nothing that she did. It's this is all me, but. You know, we're in line they with all the other parents and you know they change classes from kindergarten to first grade so they a lot of the parents are new people I don't know them I'm meeting some of these people for the first time or they're in line waiting and and I realized that I'm wearing our Dionysian Parade t-shirt which for those of you guys who don't remember it features proudly abundant amounts of nudity sex, marijuana use, and violence in the form of Buddha getting his head chopped off, courtesy of Savannah M. So, you know, it's not exactly the t-shirt that you go to make friends in uh, some more conservative fashion. It's like, so I'm there like, oh, fuck, why did I wear this? And like, kind of, uh, the rest of the year I don't care, but the first day everybody's scoping everybody else out, and I show up with my drunken Taoist t-shirt with boobs, violence, the whole... So I'm like folding my arms on me, I'm trying to be as inconspicuous as possible and just, uh, you know, really try to <laughs> not... Like, I'm thinking, fuck, Daniele, why did you do this? You know, but I'm really trying to pull it off. And um, Isabella, in the middle of this, she said, oh, I want to see if my friends are here and you know it's a big mess in the courtyard so she wants to climb on my back to see from the vantage point of being above everybody else to see if she spots her friends she starts climbing and with her miniature feet she starts moving around climbing her way up and I hear all of a sudden clang and I'm like shit what did she dislodge out of my pockets that just fell down and I turn around and there's this mom that I've never met who's handing me a serrated blade that just fell out of my pocket. I am so... I don't... Drop that on the table. Let's give it a listen. Yeah. I am so... (laughs) I don't even know what... I don't even think I said thank you, which, you know, I'm always super polite about shit like that, but I was like... my head went down and I just stuck my hand out to get my knife back and I think I was just too busy dealing with my shame too and uh, I'm like fuck it's the first five minutes of first grade and I just managed to drop a blade on the playground look 
ISIS could come by. You're just being ready. Yeah, no, it's sweet and all. I don't think that's what his mom said. She didn't say a word either. She didn't say nice shirt? No, she didn't say nice shirt or nice blade, despite the fact that it is a glorious blade. But I was like... Those people are fucking on that shirt, aren't they? I didn't know they got a better look at it. Yeah, Yeah, that'll do the job. Yeah, the knife is serious business, but... But not illegal. No. Uh, no, it's not actually totally legal. As long as it's an open carry, you have to have it where you can see it. It can be hidden away, But um, which I do. So I guess, I guess I did it a little too fucking much since it fell on the ground. I didn't remember I had it on me. I'm like, damn, that's no good. So, yeah, the joys of uh, the first day of first grade oh. were right there. And um, that is what indeed happened. I have a dream today. And now we cross the Ukrainian plane for a visit into Bellelli's dream time. Dream time. Dream time indeed. So this was actually a good one. This was a non-violent, pleasant dream, which is always a plus. Yeah. It is what we got. I was um, swimming in the ocean. And it's fairly flat. And, you know, I'm doing my thing happily moving around and out of the blue this giant wave pops up nice i'm like fuck this is not good so i duck you know not to be caught in the big part of the so i duck under and um it it passes eventually get my head out but somehow i like the current is really strong from that moment on and i can't swim back to shore and it's pulling me out and uh and the current not only is pulling me out, but in a way that the currents don't quite work that way, is also pulling me down. Ooh. And I'm like, ooh, that's not really going well. So there's this big fear of drowning that kicks in of like, shit, I don't think I can do it. You know, I don't think I can get out of this. This is bad. I'm going down. I'm going out. I'm fighting you told my muscular strength. And sadly, despite these glorious guns, it's not quite enough to deal with the ocean. You need some fins to be in there, son. And uh, I go under, you know, and uh, and right as I go under where all my fears are about to materialize, I find out that I can breathe underwater. Oh. And I'm like, look at that. I'm actually breathing. And I can see her as clearly as if I was above water. And suddenly it's like, wait, there's nothing to be afraid of. This is actually badass. I love this. This is fun. And then I wake up. And that's the end of the dream. Oh, you didn't get to do any exploring? No, but I was I was happy enough, the yeah, fact yeah. that I could. You know, the fact that uh, I was like, wow, look at that. What I was most, I was so scared of this happening, and suddenly it's happening, and it turns out to be fine. Was that just a few days ago? Because we had monster waves on no, the weekend. No, this was probably two months ago. Mm. So it's, uh, in fact, I, was, I wrote it down. I was reading it again. I'm like, oh, I vaguely remember this dream. It's kind of faded away in... Like, had I not written it down, I would have never remembered this. It's like, the day it happened, I'm like, oh, I'll jot it down. And But yeah, that was that, where, um, I don't know, there's something to be said. I mean, sometimes what you're afraid of is worth being afraid of. There are very good reasons for being afraid of it. Other times, not so much. So it's um, interesting how that plays out. When's the last time you've been in the ocean? Ocean, long time. I've been in the sea, you know, in the Mediterranean not so long ago uh, this summer and that's always fun because I mean the Mediterranean is a big swimming pool it's just it's way warmer than the ocean there are hardly any sharks yeah. there's uh, you know it's no biggie it's well it's um, 
the worst that can happen is you step on sea urchins, which kind of suck, but, you know, not the end of the world. Well, it's like 71 degrees right now. It's really warm. The Yeah, no, it's... Yeah, the... Now, yeah. Warm enough to bring the hammerheads up. Right, exactly. No, I... The ocean out here is... It's a strange beast, because... It's the jungle. It's the real life. Yeah. You wouldn't walk blindly 75 yards into the damn open jungle. No, definitely. But here and, we all uh, are, bobbing around like a bunch of morons. Yeah. Because the waves are fun. And you always see this picture of, like, some kids swimming around and this, like, 15-foot shark just right in the middle of the waves. And you're like, that's... You know, it's out there. Yeah, I um, I used to love it a lot, but I got one of those brushes, and I'm sure it was it was just a fish. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was a shark. It was only about three or four feet long, only. But that was it, man. It was like okay. Yeah, you know, I don't care if I I'm so out of my element in water that if I think if I if I find myself in the middle of a big bunch of tuna, I would probably have a heart attack because it just. Let alone sharks. I mean, it just well, plus a tuna. Those are real razor sharp, nasty teeth in there. Hell, I got. We were in Destin, Florida, one time, and it was just a feeding frenzy of like little kind of anchovy guys versus yeah. just the next size up with all those tails flipping everywhere and woo. Yeah, it's it's freaky. It's There's the jungle. Something there where you can't see what's around you. No. You can't see what's under you. I don't yeah. dig it. Whereas the beauty of the Mediterranean is like swimming in a lake, minus Loch Ness Monster. There's nothing like, you know, it's like, I've done that too. I swam in Lake Como this summer. So nice. The bad part is that with the ocean, there's a rhythm. You know, there's wave. And then it goes out. And then it comes back in. With the lake, all the waves come from the wind. And so you don't get a break. <laughs> it's like one wave in your face and another and another and another. And so it's like, so it's, that's a little annoying. You have to swim backwards. You have to swim with your back to the waves and just swim the other way around and you're fine. There's just, just something beyond awesome though of a good ocean wave giving you a smack. Yep. So I'll, I'll go 10, 12, 18 feet out. You know, I'm, as far as being way out, I just don't do it anymore. I saw once I was way up close to San Diego. I was way up at the top of this thing and you have the view down like oh where the gun emplacements used to be of... and you can see all of the san diego bay below you no i don't think it was that one i think it's a place where they would do paragliding okay. and stuff like that yeah. so you're way above the ocean and you have this view down there so the perfectly clear i can see down and i see the shadows of probably 30 sharks you know not huge ones they're probably mellow stuff but they're i clearly see them and there's this dude who obviously doesn't see them from the beach no who start taking off swimming and is swimming right smack in the middle of them and they are all around them and I was like, oh, what the hell? And it was fine. They didn't do anything, but it was still uh, unnerving. Aye! Yeah. In any case, so I'm not going to try to dive underwater to see if I can breathe, but it was nice to know that at least my dream self could do it. And... Um, Maybe I'll go explore, frolic with mermaids, and see what happens. I thought a little pink Duncan mermaid was going to be swimming under there with me. Good to see you, <laughs> Let's go read some Pawagamaka Kavita. Story time, everybody, brought to you from our friends at Sure Design T-Shirts that ensure soft fabrics for happy nipples for a happy planet. Thanks so much, Bennett. 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 And here's story time. 
Banat, you're the man. Let's go play with this story though now. Um, this is a story, this is a martial arts story. This is about the early days of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And, you know, everyone in the universe has heard, uh, well, everyone in the universe is who vaguely care about martial arts. Otherwise, obviously, you have not heard these stories. But if you do care about martial arts, the or by now legendary tale is early 1900s, Japanese immigrants into Brazil, a guy by the name of Mitsuyo Maeda, who shows up. He was actually a funky guy because he was traveling around essentially as a, I wouldn't say a circus performer, but pretty close to it in the sense that he would go in like public uh, fairs and the circus, like literally almost as a circus act where he would challenge anybody and he would pick up local champions of anything, boxing, wrestling, whatever, and he would try to throw the hell out of them with judo and he would just uh, take all challenges, globetrotting around the world, build his fame that way. Pretty a uh, wild guy and a top-notch uh, judo guy. And the story goes that he started teaching one of the um, one guy from the Gracie family, who then eventually modified some of the teaching, passed it on to some of his brothers, some of his kids, and everything else. And it became the style of what becomes Brazilian jiu-jitsu, coming all from the Gracie. Now that's the story, and it's not wrong. You know, it's true. But there are a couple of side notes to this that actually indicate that there was just not a single line, Maeda, Gracie, rest of the world, but there were a few other elements in the story that make it actually cooler and weirder. Specifically, what you have is that Maeda was not the only top judo guy in Brazil at the time. Right around the same time, there was uh, a guy, guy by the name of Soshihiro Satake um, who taught some Brazilian guys, and just like Maeda, he had studied with uh, the Kodokan in Japan, he was teaching Judo, so, so there were other people who started picking up right around the same time, the same type of skills that the Gracie will develop. Now, among uh, um, some of the students, one guy, one of the students of uh, Satake, this other Japanese guy in Brazil, was named uh, Franca, and uh, he started, he opened his own school, started teaching this style of judo slash jiu-jitsu and um, became a top-notch jiu-jitsu guy. He had posthumous 10th dan in jiu-jitsu. He's considered like high up there, like with the Elio Gracie, with this legend. So it, right there is interesting because she shows there was a branch that had nothing to do with Maeda and had nothing to do with the Gracie that also started Brazilian jiu-jitsu around the same time. And from this branch, what happened is that one of the students of Franca, who picked up things from him, one of his students was a man by the name of Osvaldo Fadda, which, by the way, is ridiculous for me because Osvaldo Fadda is a super Italian name. This is a classic from Sardinia, where just about every name is d with a double D, Fadda, Madeddu. Gendargento, or they have everything in you, either in double D's or U. It's Sardinia is hilarious. The Sardinian dialect, the names, they are brilliant. In any case, Osvaldo Fadda was this guy who was born in Brazil from Italian immigrants, and uh, he started studying from Franca and picked up uh, this tradition from Franca that whereas the Gracies became renowned because they had all the hookups in high society in Brazil, the sons of politicians, the sons of businessmen, the kids from the rich family studied with the Gracies in this more fancy version of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Fra uh, Franca and his student Fadda later 
who would teach in the favelas, who teach in the ghettos, who teach with people who had zero money, who would teach where literally they would, because uh, nobody had money to buy the geese among their students, they would cut rice bags and sew them together and turn those into geese. It was hilarious, the whole, like, the contrast, because one is very high society, rich Brazilian jiu-jitsu, the other one was the poorest of the poor, um, mostly darker skin guys, that kind of thing. And, and Fadasto in that sense become uh, much like his teacher, Frank. They become known as sort of these Robin Hoods of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu who took this uh, sacred fire and started sharing it with the masses as opposed to keeping it as a more this uh, upscale elitist thing. And the thing about Fadda that makes the story even more hilarious is that well initially he just didn't have the money for a school so he taught in parks he taught on the beach he told some of his students he was really big on the idea of using jiu-jitsu as a rehab thing not so not just for fighting but like there were a bunch of people who had uh, were hit with polio as kids so they're all fucked up can walk properly all of the things and father would teach to them as a rehab thing as something like you know the beauty of jiu-jitsu is that you are on the ground already and all the ground fighting, but getting coordinated, getting to learn how to use your body in a way that doesn't require as much gravity as standing up, like martial arts that require you to stand up. And so you use it as a medical thing almost, which was brilliant. And um, and the thing about FAD that was bizarre is that they were on a regular basis, particularly in the poorer neighborhoods, people, sort of the local tough guys would show up to challenge him and every you know he would have a weekly thing where it's like okay uh, thursdays after eight anybody who wants to show up and he would regularly choke them out and then these guys with their <laughs> ego properly trimmed they would come back and bow down and ask to be taught and sort of become humble and want to learn from father and so he would take them in and start teaching them and everything else and and this is where a story that like why hasn't a movie been made on this still escape me is um story goes that at one point in this indirect rivalry between the Gracie and uh and Fad, there was um the Gracie had become famous, they had started challenging left and right, and they built their reputation real big. And uh in this one occasion the um, Fadda decide to have a chat with the Gracies and essentially say, Look, uh, I respect you guys, you guys are good but you're not the only ones who do this stuff and um, let's have a challenge and so he put an ad in the newspaper and the message was pretty clear and to direct and it was like we want to challenge the Gracie we respect them as opponents but we don't fear them I have 20 students ready for this challenge bring your students and let's have it you know? <laughs> that's the and, and this is turn of the century Brazil, or is this? This further... is by now is the 1950s. Okay, I believe the challenge was 1954, if wow. I remember correctly. And Elio Gracie, well, at that point, was like one of the top leaders of the family. He uh, was impressed with the respect shown. He appreciated the fact that was very respectful, and he was like, "Yeah, why not? You know, let's have a challenge." Elio is the sort of legendary, the father of Hoist Gracie, the first Ultimate Fighting Championship of C. Hickson Gracie of all of those guys. And um, so they decided, okay, let's do it. So they went to the Gracie Academy and they had this challenge in which the Gracie students got slaughtered, or at least that's the tale I'm reporting as much as the historical research currently allow me. Every source I've seen, there are not that many, but the ones I've seen, they all tend to tell the same story. 
feel free to correct me if you know more about it or you have direct hookups with people who are involved and you know differently. But the story as it's currently told as far as I can have access to is that over and over, FADA students, they won, I think, like 19 out of 20. So it was like <laughs> they, they just wiped the floor, but partially in a way because they, the way they play jiu-jitsu was highly unorthodox. Some of their techniques, some of the stuff they did was not really the more typical way you're supposed to play. For example, FADA students were big on leg locks. They would, and the Gracies usually they did not focus on it so much. It was more arm bars, chokes, uh, you know, mainly upper body stuff. Leg locks, still to this day, a lot of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu schools is just changing now in the last few years because a lot of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu schools call it almost cheating. They see it as, that's too easy. Come on, you just go for a leg lock. It's like, because a leg lock, you don't have to pass guard. You don't have to do a million other things that you, good jujitsu should be about. Yeah, but he's not going anywhere. Exactly. So it's, uh, in some way, part of the prejudice against leg lock is precisely because Fadda's guys were so good at it and made a killing with it. This became a sour grapes type of thing. It's like, well, leg locks are cheating. They are a low-class technique. They are, you know, these guys would do stuff like that. And... You know, not all the Gracies are like that. Like, Helio was very respectful afterwards, too. He was he looked at it, and supposedly, again, the words attributed to him was, like, something along the life of, um, you know, you, it only takes one fada to show that jiu-jitsu is not a Gracie monopoly, that is not just our thing. And so he was, you know, wow. he, he wasn't a bad thing. They were pretty nice to each other, but obviously there was a rivalry. You know, oh, and yeah. Then, and some of the guys from the Gracie side were pretty pissed with this whole leg lock game. Fuck you and your leg locks. You know, it's like, we're good at everything <laughs> else. And you come with this low class cheating shit. And which is why for a long time in jujitsu tournament, if anybody would go for a leg lock, which was legal, the crowd would start booing all the time. And they would be like, oh, screw that. You can't do this. This is terrible. And so it's... Uh, yeah, now it's beginning to change because people realize leg locks are really damn effective and so more and more. But still, it's still rare enough that, uh, I mean, in my experience, hell, I started just focusing on leg locks almost, I wouldn't say at the exclusion of other stuff, but it became because I never had the chance to start uh, training the way you're supposed to when you people put in four or five times a week and they really get good that way by just sheer volume I would always be 150 some pounds so just about every other person in the room is bigger than me uh, don't get to train that much even when I did train you know when I got three times a week I was as happy as I could be that was as good as it got and never got to train more than that so the reality is I'm, I'm, I can't play the game the same way the other people play it. Because if I do and they are bigger and they train more, I'm going to lose. You know, there's just no issue there. There's just no... So I was like, how the hell can I play this game in a way to exploit the weaknesses? Exploit, And I figured out oh, nobody leg locks and I really dig them and let's play this game. And, and I started using that and that's what allowed me to beat people who are way better than me you know i never beat somebody who's better than me with an arm bar or with a choke or with moves that they have done ten thousand times i'll beat them with the unorthodox weird stuff that they don't see that often then it's easier and so it became um i made it my specialty and that's why when i was researching fada story i'm like oh 
I love this. This is like I claim him as an ancestor. I dig the Robin Hood <laughs> thing and I dig the leg lock and orthodox approach to grappling. So, so that's why I dig that story. And on this end, a complete shameless self-promotion. There's a link in the episode notes to um, an instructional DVD that I had done on leg locks. I put it after a long time. People ask me because I was lazy and never got around to it. I put it up as a downloadable item. So there's a company that deals with these things. You can order through them, instant download. So if you are interested in such thing, it's almost like hour and forty minutes or something of instructional leg locks. If you're into that fatter sort of exactly, bullshit. if you like cheating and uh, <laughs> you know, is yeah, man. cheating inside the rule book. Yeah, cheating inside the rule book. That's a glorious approach. I'll tell you. A micro story maybe we'll use it for another story time but there's a tale of um, uh, Carlisle Indian school at the turn of the century where they started playing football and it was uh, football was emerging as the big popular sport and the coach at Carlisle you know they would go against all the big powerhouses uh, Yale Harvard were the big football schools as odd as they may sound yeah um, he would just look at the rules, figure out what is that the rules don't explicitly prohibit, and figure out a way something that nobody was doing that technically was legal. And promptly, the league would the next year make that illegal. He would go back, figure out a new thing. <laughs> I'm a big fan of cheating inside the rules. Awesome, that's a great story. So the Robin Hood of Jiu-Jitsu. There you go. It's time to reach deep into the digital mailbag to see what sort of quandaries folks have to pose to Mr. Pulelli. What do we got this week? We got a lady asking a question. That's always one of our rare female listeners. Hello. Sophia um, asks, basically ask about regrets. You know, anything oh, that... Where you want me to uh, start? Yeah, 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 exactly. But... Uh, Sometimes I regret regretting so much. <laughs> I really try hard to live in a way not to have regrets. And by that, I don't mean be perfect, because obviously you're not going to be, but kind of like seeing even your fuck-ups, even the stumbles along the way as a part of what makes you you. So it was, why should you regret it? If you are happy with who you are today, there's nothing to regret. Because at the end of the day, it's like that went into making you now. So it's fine. And if you're not happy with where you are today, well, you have other problems rather than regretting the past. Get to work, motherfucker, to shape yourself in the person you want to be now. Forget what was before. So either way, there's really no point. Having said all that, which sound all wise and great, let me tell you about one of my regrets. Because again, generally, I tend not to. But then, of course, there's something, there's one thing that keeps popping up in my mind over and over, and I can't let go, and I do regret, and I feel like an asshole, and there's just no... I don't find the redeeming quality. I don't find that it helped me be who I am. That was just a fuck-up in my book. So and when Mr. Sherman and Peabody show up with the time machine... Yeah, that, that's a great movie, by you, the way. You would go back and, and fix something? Or uh, do this? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, when posed with that... I. There's only one or two things I can yeah. even contemplate that I would dare change for fear of fucking up what has ended up pretty excellent, even with the mistake. Yeah, and I agree. That's why this stands out for me, because I'm like, oh, fuck that. I can't ever feel uh, at peace with. I'd never come up with. And this is, a, in a way, it's a pretty dark story. 
you know how uh, San Quentin is up there, kind of north, Sausalito, and you oh, can yeah. cut across that crazy rickety bridge from Oakland to get yep. around. Right there as you pass San Quentin is a San Quentin bus stop. I don't remember. It's kind of the top of the hill, okay. and then yeah. the, the gates are down below. But it's I, lit, I guess lots of people are coming and going from there, most likely visitors, but I'm sure occasionally a prisoner gets set free and takes off on the San Quentin bus stop. Figure and out the thing way. that always amazed me is that there's a no-smoking sign on this outdoor bench All right. at San Quentin. And, like, it instantly... Became a country song in my head <laughs> that there's no smoking allowed at the bus stop outside of San Quentin. Uh, that's I mean, fun. And every time I hear San you Quentin, I think about it. Hey, it's already written, so we're ready to go. Now we have now we have a new chapter to add to it. What was it? Johnny Cash who had the, the San Quentin song and went to perform there for people a bunch of times. Hell yeah. And, uh, yeah, Johnny Cash was badass. Yeah, oh, that concert thing. And he's, he messes with those guys. There's there's spoken word in between the songs because it's a live recording. Right. And he went in there and did it. Yeah. Awesome. That's a great record. Yeah, he was badass, man. Oh. A guy who had... Shot the, a man in Reno just to watch him die. Yep. Now, that's some Richard Ramirez shit right I there. I know. <laughs> that's some heavy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> you know, I tweeted that once. And there was no space because of the damn 140 characters in Twitter. So it was, I tweeted that part and I couldn't write John DeCash. So I said, JC. And the <laughs> next thing that happens is somebody said, he's like, what do you mean? Quote me the verse where Jesus Christ said that. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's Johnny Cash. <laughs> Jesus is the fig tree killer. Yeah. Not the guy in, in uh, Reno. The guy thought that I meant Jesus. I shot the man in Reno. <laughs> Oh, that was glorious. Oh, Johnny. Well, in any case. So. I don't know. if Sophia, whatever your regrets are, you're going to have a few and try to make sure there's not too many more. Yeah. And what else can you do? When people come to ask you to watch them die, do it. Music means one thing, and that's the end of the 72nd episode of The Drunken Palace. Year 3 is in the books. Year 4 will be along as we get into October. A fascinating interview with uh, our, our mixologist of L.A. Well, is that what we have coming up? Oh, speaking of which, I'm going to put that up on... If you want to check out like future guests that we're going to have, I'm going to put a post on my public Facebook page. So if you haven't checked it out yet, it's my name, Daniele Bolelli, in the... I have two pages. One is pretty much filled up in terms of the available friendship request kind of thing. The other one is public, so can go as high as it wants. I'll put it on the public page, a list of uh, upcoming guests, so you have a sense of what some of the goodies coming up are. Um, okay, that was my Facebook page plug. <laughs> Next. Uh, um, <coughs> I definitely want to take everybody for Kiva.org. We got... Currently $30,675 in loans thanks to you guys, the Drunken Taoists, that have joined. And I invite everybody to come along. It's getting to be back to school, so it's going to be holiday season. You know, you want to give your kids something to kind of teach them a lesson? Give them a Kiva card. Show them how to give somebody else something to make somebody's life a little easier out there in the world. And the best part is it all comes right back to you so you can give it out again. So Kiva.org, you guys have done incredibly well. It's amazing what we've done. And it sure would be awesome to see another ten grand go out before we get to the end of the year because I know we can do it. 
152 of your fellow drunken Taoists, almost a thousand loans handed out from you guys. I cannot be more appreciative. You, Mother Teresa, you. You yeah. really did not understand how this game works. You're supposed to, you know, become a televangelist and ask for donations for your private plane. What's this thing like? You Have don't you seen see the John a, Oliver stuff of that? Yeah, you don't see a dime of anything. You're just Mother Teresa. In any case. Just trying to help out. Oh, I know somebody else. Mr. Tony Ortiz out there. Maybe the kindest iTunes review we've ever gotten. We have some great ones, but that was a brilliant review. Thank you. Fresh thank at you, the top. You. Just go, go yeah. check it out and uh, see if you can beat it. Anyway, <laughs> thank yeah. you, Tony. Indeed. So quick things. Um, some of the usual stuff. Amazon link. Please use it. It's always sweet. Makes things easy for us. Uh, if you're shopping on Amazon, it helps us out and you don't have to spend an extra dime. Taoist Lecture Series, it's up there in the episode notes. If you're interested, seven hours worth of lectures on Taoism for under 10 bucks. Not a bad gig. Quick thank you to our affiliates, Curacao Chocolate and Audible. If you want audiobooks or chocolate, check out the um, discount in the episode notes. Uh, all, as always, thank you to Daisy, you, uh, Daisy House Music for the brilliant tunes at our opening and our closing for that matter. And what else? Well, thank you to some kind souls who donated to the podcast. So we go. let's go fuck up their names. Whee! Let the pottering begin. Thanks to my horrible Italian pronunciation, let's see how we're gonna pronounce these people's names. We have Timothy Michelazze, Ragov Singh, John Hatfield, Desmond Colton, Nathan Lott. Joshua Overton, a friend of mine from Italy, Federico Rossi. Speaking of Italian names from the Down Under, Maurizio Mezzatesta, David Peterson, Jonathan Waterloo, Chris Treshbal, Aaron McLaughlin, Alexander Kuzner, and Lawrence Bellini. Bellini, for those of you guys who have never tried it, is an amazing cocktail made with champagne. Um, originally created in a bar in Venice, Italy. Good stuff. In any case, sorry, I got sidetracked. Hell, let's and, go uh, have some. I know it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. On that note, anything else we need to throw out there? Just thanks to Crom for letting us have three years of uh, awesome podcast and an excellent friendship. Thank you, Crom, and uh, revenge shall be ours. <laughs> And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon.
in questo caso, in questo caso le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, eh? Oh man, isn't that scary the thing? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great, fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work.